0: Good evening, everyone, and happy new year. Welcome to this College Success Formula podcast. I'm Tom Boddorf, the co-founder of College Success Formula. The title of tonight's podcast is Attention, Freshmen Through Seniors. Here's your second semester critical timeline. My special guest tonight is Mr. Eric Goodhart. Now, Eric is our senior admissions counselor and is a charter member of our advisory team here at College Success Formula. He's the founder of Programs for Education and is joining us tonight from his Boston location. And that gets a big burr. (laughs) I encourage you to visit Eric's extensive website at www.smartcollegeplanning.org for some exceptional tips on planning for college success. Eric, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here, Tom. It's always nice to warm up by your fire. Um, It was was warm today. It got up to uh, 24 degrees, so it was rather balmy.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow, you got the sweaters on today. I took off the parkas for a few hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Well, Eric, let's get right to it tonight and start off with freshmen first. What is it that freshmen should focus on? for the remainder of their second semester.
1: Good. Yeah, I'm glad we're starting with freshmen. Uh, and I know uh, <clears throat> it's probably when freshmen, uh, you know, it's not likely that there are too many freshmen even thinking that far ahead. Right. In college, Right. It's the, the parents uh, that are kind of thinking about it, uh, maybe more than thinking about it. But uh, before I talk about what they're to do, what they should be doing in the second semester of the freshman year, I just want to preface it by uh, mentioning a couple of things about uh, what they should have done okay. uh, in the eighth grade. Uh, that is, you know, it's a, it's a four-year process uh, in high school. And in order to, if the if family feels that their child is going to be looking at the most competitive colleges or even uh, very competitive colleges, there's going to be a certain expectation Uh, in terms of courses that the student takes. So in the eighth grade, if the student has really uh, shown his or her uh, strength in certain areas and worked to the best of his or her ability, that'll give them a uh, head start on getting into the honors courses in the freshman year. So if that hasn't happened, and we're now in the second um, half of this freshman year and and the student hasn't taken honor courses, maybe just basic college prep um, that's okay that can you that could be recovered from but ideally uh if the if a high school freshman year if that high school offers honors courses uh, we want our students to try to get into those courses and be challenged from the freshman year on i see um so let's presume that they're in some honors courses right now. Uh, but again, college is a world away from, uh, the minds of most ninth grade, ninth graders. <laughs> That's so, for sure. Uh, Cause they're looking at, uh, you know, juniors and seniors as the big guys on the block, you know, and that, you know, they, it's hard to, some of them are hard to visualize themselves as juniors and seniors right now, much less, uh, college students. Right. But nonetheless, you know, <clears throat> Last week, in fact, I was talking to a family with an eighth grader. I was, we had a Skype call with an eighth grader. Um, you and I both worked with an eighth grader a few years ago. Right. Who had her, she was very uh, determined. When I first talked to her on the phone, I thought I was talking to her mother. <laughs> you know, <she> was, <laughs> her demeanor and her attitude. So, you know, she was just much more mature than the average uh, uh, student of her age. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's recently graduated from harvard um, wow, but that, and that was her target from the from the get go
0: remember uh, right she had a plan <laughs>
1: which, yeah, that was a plan, but realistically you know if if a student goes into high school and the, and the parents have a four year plan and they uh, that that's great now in terms of extracurricular activities, this is another thing a lot of families talk to us about because when what kind of extracurricular activity should a student you know, get involved in. Um, And the freshman year is a time to explore, you know, be familiar with the activities, the extracurricular uh, activities that are available. And a lot of times you have a student who's a freshman who's already been playing soccer uh, since eight years old, nine years old. But That doesn't mean they, they need to continue with soccer. I think what we need to do as a freshman is to realistically look, if it's going to be something to do with athletics in terms of, you know, extracurricular activities what sport baseball football track soccer gymnastics what sport can they see themselves participating in and doing well in uh-huh. developing skills that at least will be put them in the varsity team um by the junior year and that's the sport they should they should focus on um not a sport that they may have participated in you know since ten years old, right. Uh, but now is the time to look at the, that particular sport. I see. So sports is going to take up a lot of activity. Uh, but then the other, you know, one other activity they might look at would be some club that they're interested in. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. If if they're not able to join a, a robotics club, now at least they know that maybe in the sophomore year uh, or no later than the junior year, they may have an opportunity to join the robotics club. But as a freshman. They need to evaluate what two, not three, not four, but what two uh, extracurricular activities that they can uh, dedicate themselves to without sacrificing academics.
0: I see. Eric, what is that? Oh, as a, oh go on.
1: Yeah. As far as academics is concerned, they should f- do the best they can. If they had a little hiccup in the first semester, uh-huh. adjusting to school courses, just do the best they can to finish up strong. I see. You a
0: question Yeah, I've got a question about uh, test preparation. Now now this fall there'll be sophomores. Should should all freshmen think about you know doing some kind of preparation for the PSAT, or is that more on a selective basis? Some should, some shouldn't. What's your recommendation on that?
1: Well, yeah, we know that a lot of high schools will offer students to take, you know, they'll say you can take the PSAT in October of the sophomore year. Uh-huh. It doesn't count for anything other than you know, familiar. You know, getting familiar with with the standardized test, which, right? Uh, yeah, but and that goes on a case by case basis. And so, if if the particular student is looking at the more competitive colleges, it's going to be you know looking at the, uh, understands the importance of standardized tests. Um, and they are uh, whether a school leaves it as an option or not, standardized uh-huh. tests are going to be important sometimes in terms of merit scholarships. So sure. um, uh, a PSAT prep program like we have on the e-prep program, some oh. kind of program to take that, if, if it's offered to them, if they're able to take it, they should take it in October of the
0: sophomore year. Okay. And that's but pretty much know. across the board. You'd recommend that if it's available, you recommend it for every freshman. Just do it. There's no downside to to taking that 10th, 10th grade PSAT, Right. There's no downside whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but,
1: and a lot of uh, families say, well, they just go into it cold. I don't recommend that. I just, you know, there's some they should have give themselves some familiarity because if they go into it cold and bomb it, uh, that could be a real self defeating
0: uh, exercise. Sure. Sure. So a okay. little bit of prep. Okay. okay. So, so that's it, pretty much for freshmen, right? That's right. Okay. Let's move on to sophomores. What should sophomores focused on accomplishing for their second semester?
1: Now, here, if that sophomore has taken the PSAT that, uh, in the sophomore year,
0: uh-huh.
1: we now have a, a good idea of where uh, that student might be because the, the official PSAT is going to be taken in the junior year in October. Um, there are a lot of high schools I've seen across the nation that are offering um uh, students AP courses in the so- one at least one AP right. course usually the uh, World History AP in the sophomore year. Yeah, we and see that, that a lot. Yep, see a lot uh, of here. If the student has started with that in the first part of the sophomore year, that's that's great. Uh, in May, uh, he or she will be taking that AP test. All the AP tests each year are offered in May. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Big test month. Um, in terms of the SAT uh, prep and A- ACT prep, I-, I don't. I haven't been recommending that at this point. Uh, I have been having students concentrate on doing the best they can in their classes. But this is the second semester, if not before. But now this is the second semester of the sophomore year, so one of the f- most important things they should do is to p- develop a an initial college list of 15 to 18 colleges Ah, okay not by sitting down in front of a computer and throw uh, just putting in what they want a, a state school a large school a school with a football team a school with uh you know it's co-ed <laughs> a school that has a sigma Pi fraternity right you know there's a certain way of evaluating schools and uh, whether so we have you know, we recommend and on our blog. Uh, we have we talk about the AAA due diligence, and you know, after you develop that college list to research each of these colleges. So the college list should be completed by the end of the sophomore year. And while doing that college list, um, sometime it's usually in May that the sophomore will meet with their advisors and the counselor, and Select the courses for the junior year. Now, the you know, jumping ahead a tad, the junior year is the year that's the most important academic year from a transcript standpoint, right? As far as college is concerned, they want to see growth uh, each year, but it's the junior year that the the junior year that is focused on the most because if it's it's a full year, uh, and it's a year that most high schools will be. Uh, uh, offering the most uh, challenging courses for the students. Uh, there'll be challenging courses taken in the senior year, but when the t- student app- applies, not all those course results will be in. Uh, the grades won't be in when the application goes in. So the junior year is important. So the sophomore year, the last half of sophomore year right now, is when the student should be sitting down, looking at uh, and evaluating uh, College appropriateness based on academic profile, personality, uh-huh. learning style, and sitting with the parent and talking about
0: affordability. and You other know, the college. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. When you were talking about the college list uh, being completed mm-hmm. by the end of the sophomore year, th- that's just a preliminary kind of a first pass list of how yeah. many schools, 15, 18 schools, did you say, Eric? 15 to 18 colleges. Okay. Yeah. Quite, quite preliminary at this point, but still have that done yeah. by the end of the sophomore year, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, and that's and that's done. You know, we have a process that you and I, I know, we go through that. Uh, I, I have the students do three different self-assessments, which really get into into really who that student is uh-huh. and how you know what kind of environment, college environment, would be most appropriate for the student. Um, and then in, in the spring of the sophomore year. Uh, in the spring of any year, uh, the college tours, uh, college fairs are uh, predominant uh, sure. all over the country. Um, so <clears throat> the students should prepare in a certain way to go to these college fairs. There's no harm in doing it in the sophomore year, I'm not not waiting till the junior year, uh, just to get familiar with the atmosphere at a college fair. But you know, students too often go off to a college fair with 400. <laughs> colleges represent, and they come away completely bewildered uh and confused yeah, there's no preparation yeah they just go no into their
0: blind and just go up and down the aisles and oh here's a school i heard of and here's one i didn't hear yeah. about no plan at all i see that all the time
1: so on my blog i have you know an essay on how to get the most benefit out of a college fair and a college visit
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, but the college fair is certainly appropriate they're you know to go to just to familiarize yourself with the, with some of the colleges.
0: Okay, I want to encourage everyone to, to go again to Eric's blog on, on uh, smartcollegeplanning.org and definitely pull up that. What would be the search term for that, Eric? Just a college tour?
1: College college visits, or well, they can just type in AAA into the search box. Okay. And then uh, three or four essays that I put on there uh, related to college visits and
0: evaluating.
1: Uh, how to Prepare for a College Fair will be there for
0: them. I see. And by the way, everybody on, on the the uh, podcast tonight, and even if they're listening to the recording, uh, is a member. So, uh, members, everyone, you have access to Eric's AAA method. If in the search engine of College Success Formula, when you log into your account, just enter AAA, A-A-A, and that document will come right up. You want to make sure you download that print it out and really go by that it's a great guide for for how to really prepare and start building that that list and some key things to accomplish
1: mm-hmm. you know it's funny I was just talking to uh, a family you know a while back and you know when I when you and I were looking at colleges uh, let's see internet, when you were in high
0: school, Did
1: you have the Internet, Tom?
0: It wasn't very advanced yet. No, I think it might have been yeah. uh, a dream in somebody's uh, thoughts, but no, it d- didn't even exist. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. Do yeah. I feel old?
1: <laughs> so a lot of reliance now is, is on the, uh, you know, the Internet. But in our day, it was a uh, you know, guidance counselor in high school. Right. Um, you went in, and you had uh, dog-eared you know, college guides, some of the pages would be ripped out because <laughs> kids would say, hey, I don't want anybody else to know about this college. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was uh, and rarely were able, had an opportunity to uh, see the college until you set foot on in the fall of your, you know, after graduation. Right. Sometimes it did, depending on how close it was. But now students can go on They have to take the virtual tours. I mean, but that's why, you know, a lot of students were going on, as I said earlier, and, and not really coming away with the uh, information that was really important. It would help them understand not only if they were qualified for the school, but is the college qualified to serve them? Sure. Is the college qualified? So,
0: yeah, they, uh, they should actually use that AAA method against every college that's even on their, their preliminary list, right? Go through that method, the AAA method for every single college. Right. If you have 15 or 18 of them, do it 15 or 18 times.
1: That's right. And we have a forum that we give students. They can put everything on there so that they can look at it. And then then when we have our conversations periodically, I might ask them if it's a private college, uh, you know, who who is the regional admissions counselor at Denison University in Ohio? Uh, (laughs) And if the student says Ohio, uh, then I know they haven't really done
0: the work, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> if they say, "What's a regional mission counselor?" You know, they've not done no work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, Eric. Before we, we, we move we... on to the juniors, excuse me. Before we move yeah. on to juniors, uh, back to the sophomores. Now, what about test preparation for sophomores in the the second semester?
1: Well, that uh, again, some depending upon the score of that PSAT. Uh-huh. Now, ideally, now I'm talking ideally. Now, the uh, is. Uh, We want all the standardized tests to be completed and no more standardized tests other than the AP tests in May of the senior year. But at at the end of the junior year, if we want to have no more, we don't want any more SATs or ACTs or subject tests to take, then we need to to prep in the sophomore year uh, for the SAT and ACT. Okay. uh, And maybe take the SAT uh, in December of the junior year. Uh, okay. No real need to take it now in the sophomore year. I'm um, I, I, really not um, prepared. I think we, if we focus on the PSAT prep and that one AP test, that if we've taken an AP course, okay, and we don't, you know, we don't really have to take an AP course in order to take an AP test. But these are for unusual students yeah. who will study on their own. But. Um, <clears throat> I haven't had uh, many students that really need to start on the SAT or ACT prep until the end of the sophomore year. Okay. You know, in June, during that summer break between the sophomore and junior year to start on the serious SAT and ACT
0: prep. But now the PSAT uh, in the junior year is is the only one that that counts for anything, right? So they they really want to beef up their preparation for the PSAT towards the end of the sophomore year and through the summer months. Yeah.
1: Okay. And that that uh, because the PSAT is you know has been revamped three years ago and it's more or less aligned. Uh, it's not so much an assessment test as it was, be- or a reasoning test before. Right now, it's it's more aligned with the ACT and more subject oriented. But uh, if he or she concentrates on the PSAT and maybe the the SAT. They'll be well prepared for that PSAT in October. Now, the PSAT, interestingly enough, isn't that score, isn't even on the common application. That's, that's not what they're looking for. Uh, but it does count for an, an rec, national recognition and a uh, possible merit scholarship. Not a major one, um, but uh, an accomplishment nonetheless. Sure, sure.
0: Okay, let's yeah. go on to the juniors. Uh, you know, Eric, as you and I have discussed, oh my goodness, so many times, <laughs> the junior really is the, the pivotal year for planning, right? I mean, if you could talk a bit about why that is, yep. why is the junior so critical and what the junior should be focused on between now and summer break? Well,
1: for the reason I said, uh, you know, earlier, it's, it's the first full year of uh, <clears throat> on a college high school transcript, which right. has the AP courses or IB, International you know, Baccalaureate. Uh-huh. Some high schools uh, will offer both options um, and so forth. But this is the year that, you know, that list, if it was started in the sophomore year,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and the student has done the A evaluation and now has a PSAT score under their belt, they may not have taken any SAT or ACT yet, but we know what the grades are. We know what the first semester of the soft, of the junior year grades are. Um, so if the student has performed well in those AP courses, uh, we can start looking at that college list. If they haven't performed well, it's not again. They'll have to finish up the year strong. Um, so this is where those activities that were started in the freshman year, those two extracurricular activities, could. Could interfere with the progress, uh, academic progress of a student. So time management. Hopefully, if we see some uh, problems with the time management, and I sometimes see that because one of the assessments we do with students identifies what their time management skills are or not or are not. Sure. Uh, so we can uh, get an idea. Of, well, which student is really falling down and is procrastinating and so forth. So, but. This spring in April and May, you know, with some major college fairs around the country. One of those things, and the trip going back to the AAA, the student by now should have written down the date that that RAC, Regional Admissions Counselor, is going to be in their area. So if they're coming to their high school or a neighboring high school, uh, They've maybe sent an email to that person. We work with students to show uh, how show demonstrated interest in a, in a in a small but significant way to these RACS. Not before the uh, second half of the junior year. This is the first, the second half of the junior year is when communication with those folks will begin. Oh, okay. Uh, not not in January, or February, because. They're in their uh, admissions offices. They're still dealing with the current senior applications, the students that are uh, already applied to the school. But the juniors will wait till after um, March, like April 1st. On uh, that's when the college fairs start to pop up around the country. Sure. So that preparation is important. A little bit of it was done in the sophomore year, but Uh now it's it's very important now, and then. ACT and SAT prep should be ramped up. Um, Students should already have registered for taking that ACT or SAT test by now. Uh, If not, uh, before the end of January of the second semester, they should do that. And we recommend uh, taking the ACT in uh, June. uh, And if they have to take it again, they can take it in September of the senior year. Okay. Okay. The SAT, they can t- they take either in March or April. Uh, it usually fluctuates, different different years. Sometimes the uh, that's in March, sometimes it's in April. Um, but if they take the, uh, the SAT in either March or April, uh, that's the only major standardized test they'll be taking. Then in May, they'll take their four or five AP tests. That's uh-huh. a big, big month for, for test taking. Uh, And then in June, it's another big test month because they'll be taking the ACT uh, and subject tests, SAT subject tests, which is on a a separate Saturday. So not all schools will require a subject test, um, but sometimes a school that doesn't require a subject test for certain applicants requires it for other applicants that it might be looking at a medical program or engineering. So that's where, the, you know, going back to the AAA method, that's where you say, uh-oh, I don't need to take a subject test for this school, but I need it for that school. So obviously you want to work towards pre- prepping for that subject test. Right. And if that score is strong, you'll, you'll send it to all those schools, whether they ask for it or not.
0: Okay. Now, are you recommending then, with, with very few exceptions, that everyone in the junior year should take both the SAT and the ACT?
1: That- yeah. As I was explaining that, I knew that would be a question that you would ask. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it, there's no harm. And, you know, I sometimes say, you know, many counselors will say it doesn't make any difference. And it it, it doesn't in a sense colleges now across the country, except the ACT, it used to be more middle America that those universities and colleges were more used to the ACT. Right. And the SAT was on both coasts. Um, but in terms of which, which kind of test would be preferable, because the SAT is now similar to the, AC, to the ACT, um, but the ACT, even though it was tweaked a little bit at the same time the SAT was tweaked, it's still more consistent with what it used to be. And so colleges are more, uh, they understand and how to, how to evaluate an ACT score uh, than an SAT score. Um, so if a student does has done um, very strong across the board in all the five core academic subjects, you know, A's and or high B's, uh, he or she might do very well with the ACT. Uh, if the, we look in terms of how well a student might do with the SAT, that's where we look at the PSAT results. Um, so... <clears throat> I'm not saying that every student has to take both, but uh, with each individual student, if I see the PSAT looks like, well, this, this PSAT score based, let's say it's a, uh, a, a one ninety, uh, that, that could, that could be a good strong SAT score uh, with some prep. So we might just focus on that.
0: Uh, I see.
1: But, Remember when it was just a few years, a couple, what, two, two years ago, it was a 2,400 score uh, because of uh, the writing. You know, 800 math, uh, 800 critical reading, and then there was 800 uh, for the writing. There are still some schools that require uh, students who are taking the SAT to take the writing component too. Um, so that's factored in. Not all Ivy League, there are two or three Ivy League colleges that require the writing. Some don't. So, again, when you uh, meet with a, the RAC at a college fair, you can verify that with them. It's one of those good questions to ask to these individuals. Um, <clears throat> do, do you require, is it a requirement? I'm not quite sure. From looking at the website, this is what they might say. Right. Um, if your if your college this coming year is requiring a writing on the SAT, uh, how much weight is put on the writing portion of that? Uh, and then and find out um, there is a site um, I don't have it on the top of my head, but there is a site that uh, we we posted in, on the uh, on my blog and I think on your website on College Success Formula we uh-huh. have a list of colleges that you know, what they require, the writing or not the writing. You right. know, ACT, right. ACT has writing, and so that t- is across the board. Every student who takes the ACT will also have, there'll be a writing component in it. Um, but most colleges will just, as far as the SAT is concerned, just be concerned with the critical reading portion and the math.
0: I see. You know, Eric, having been an engineer for for so many years, I I still tend to look at just very naturally like best case scenarios and worst case scenarios and and upside potential and downside risk and all that. And and what I often tell families too, same thing you're saying. There, there's no downside to taking the ACT, even if they get a, a solid SAT. Some students just inherently do better. It seems on the ACT. There's no downside. I mean, if they if they yeah. bomb it or don't get as good of a score as the SAT, just you know, essentially throw it away. Don't report it. Right. So there's no yeah. downside risk to, to doing that. That's correct.
1: Yeah. And even and again, there is that much score choice. There is score choice with the SAT. The college board used to you know have not even offer score choice, um, whatever kind of score you got. It was reported with the rest of them. Right now, some uh, score choice as far as the College Board is concerned. However, with some colleges, particularly the most competitive colleges, they want all the the SAT scores that you've taken. Uh-huh. Uh, so you don't have a choice of certain schools. Some you do, some you don't. Again, this has to be, and uh, you have to look at the
0: at the fine print. Uh, sure. Uh, in the admissions section. Well, to, to wrap up the, the junior year, uh, what I'm hearing you say, as far as the, the two biggest things, I believe I heard you say, is to ideally have the college list finalized right by the end of the junior year. And then also, ideally, if they do have their, a really good test score they're happy with, so they don't have to take uh, the SAT or ACT in the senior that's ideal. So the college list and test final test score If they can accomplish those two things in the junior year, by the end of that junior year, they're in really good shape coming into the senior year, correct?
1: That's right. Uh, And by that time, you know, finalize the list. uh, Look at the common data set for each of the colleges Uh and, you know, see, well, where do I – am I in the top 25% of the pool here? Am I in the lower 25% or am I out of the running? You know, or do I hook, do I have a hook? Something unusual, even though my score is uh, is lower than the average. Do I have a chance because of something else, some other accomplishment that I have, some right. other talent?
0: Right. So this
1: is where you know you you don't find these things out by you know looking at a logarithm on a website, and uh, which there are many of those out there that tell you what your chances are. Uh, you know, personal attention and details and discussion uh, come into play with whatever counselor the student might have. Um, now, what can make up for this lower score here? Do I need to take it again? You know, would that enhance it? Or if I take it again in the senior year, uh, is it overkill? Um, because some colleges will just expect the students to take twice, you know, these standardized tests twice, maybe three times, maybe they took it in the sophomore year and again, once in the junior year and the senior year but not four times you know
0: sure uh, sure
1: three times max and the by this time also at in the junior second half of the junior year the family should have gotten together uh and discussed the affordability factor
0: sure you bet like
1: too often i see uh, students you know and i in this year too i kind of like i'm not sure how to you know communicate it to some families um who clearly will not be able to pay for these colleges that are not offering merit scholarships? Uh, we know the most competitive colleges were, don't offer merit scholarships for the most part.
0: Right. Um,
1: and so, and they but they're in, they want the student to apply. They want to you know the student go through. Uh, but what if that student is accepted? You know. <laughs> Uh,
0: How do you pay for it?
1: <laughs> go, but doesn't realize, you know, why they can't go until they realize, you know, that they're told, well, we can't afford it. So we need to be realistic. The family needs to get together in the last half of the junior year and really have an honest discussion and a mutual understanding of, you know, first why they want to go to college. And then particularly if there's another one or two students behind that one. You bet. Um, and that's why we for these for these students who are looking at the most competitive colleges well if they are looking at that in that direction they obviously have merit scholarship potential so that's why that initial list of 15 and 18 schools it might have gone up to 20 by the middle of the junior year maybe 22 but then we whittle it down uh, to no less than eight no more than 12. so we're working with realistic colleges from both an academic standpoint and affordability standpoint When we start work with on the essay portion of the process, which begins in June of the junior year,
0: you know, as you Uh, you and I have seen Eric through the years, you know, one of the biggest disappointments—I mean, truly a a massive—you know—heartache—is when a student gets into their dream college and they don't realize until March or April of the senior year that they can't afford to go there. They get the financial aid award, and it's just. Completely out of touch. So either they wind up not going there or that's when mom and dad make, make these goofy financial decisions and they tap into anything they have with a pulse and borrow like crazy for an undergraduate degree that, that they as a family really cannot afford. It's a horrible situation. So great point, Eric. In that junior year, be sure to look into the, the financial aid eligibility for you know, your student at those particular schools. Another thing, too, you had mentioned the common data set. I want to remind all of our members that when you log into your My Account page, under the parent section and the student section, there is a blue button that says College Data Reports. When you click on that button, that goes to a page that has a little search bar in it, and you can enter the name of any college, virtually any school in the country, and what will pop up is a PDF report, a two-page report, uh, based on the common data set, it's a wonderful data report uh, provided by Wintergreen. Eric and I have both been using the, this service for, for years. It's the best mm-hmm. comprehensive data, uh, I believe, that's around yeah. in just two pages. So be sure to get every single college, use that college data report feature you have access to, and print those out. And you'll you'll find nothing but great information and uh, and knowledge on there for you.
1: That's great. Uh, and the other thing you know in the an official da- data uh, a common data set you'll also find something that will um have about six uh criteria six things that uh college admissions officers will look at and what how much importance they place on each uh of course the high school transcript is the most important always you know for any school Sure. Uh, and that's why Early planning, early thinking, and realistic thinking, and doing the best you can in the sophomore, junior year, uh, paramount importance. But there's also a uh, you know a, a column that indicates interest, you know, demonstrated interest. How much importance does a college place on showing interest at that, you know, to that particular school? Most colleges, particularly the most competitive colleges, say it's not of any importance. Uh, because, you know, they're sitting up there on their high, on their, on the top of the hill, and they say, well, we you know, we're going to get all kinds of students that are interested in coming here. We we, we, don't yeah. need, we don't need to know whether they're interested or not. You know, everybody's interested in us. Uh, but <laughs> but don't, let that, don't let that fool you. Um, you know, we don't want to be, you know, overdoing it, showing, you know, silly interests. We want to be able to develop some questions when we visit the school, when we, when we have an interview, if we do, when we go to a college fair, we wanna show uh, that we know, have some knowledge about their school and we wanna ask questions that are not answered on the website. And that's all discovered in my blog. Um, just write in demonstrated interest and you can, you can, um, you'll have it right there. And one thing I didn't mention, you as freshmen, starting at the freshman year, even with the, when there's no list developed, as of this year, uh, high school students as early as freshman year can set up an account on the common application, which about almost 500 college, private colleges use the common application. And even if a school that you eventually apply to isn't using the common application, the common application will give the students a little familiarity with what colleges are looking for. And uh-huh. so you'll be able to use it as kind of a tracking device. And every August 1st, you know, now that we're finishing the junior year, the student should already have taken from that common application, has that list of eight to eight to twelve colleges uh, range, and cut and pasted all the uh, supplemental questions expected to be answered. Now, those supplemental questions, for the most part, are not going to change. Every August first, the, the new common application for the for the next year is is uploaded by the company, um, and I tell students go back on August 2nd and see if any of those supplemental questions have changed from the ones you uh, already familiarize yourself with. I see. Uh, I had one student this year who did not follow the direction. Uh She didn't realize till late September that, you know, four of the supplemental essays that she wrote weren't even asked anymore. Uh, They changed. Uh Uh, So, and then she went on vacation. So let me not jump into this. Let's go to the, well, uh, she went on vacation <laughs> with her family from, uh, you know, starting early December um, and came back on January 1st. Oh my so goodness. in a two week time, we had, we were working with her on finishing up seven essays. <laughs> uh, so be careful. That's if painful. You're junior, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a junior, remember to, after August 1st, uh, make sure that those supplemental essay questions, those short answer questions that, yeah, uh, kind of the tricky ones, right?
0: Uh, haven't changed. Well, that brings us nicely into the senior year. You know, for for seniors, yes, of course, that they are nearing the the end of the road for their entire high school career. What what should they be doing here yeah. as they wrap up that that senior year?
1: Well, they can just blow everything off and just take <laughs> just relax. You know. It, 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 you know i'm I'm sorry
0: well i you thought know, I thought you were kidding about that <laughs>
1: this is you know we everyone I think has been listening uh knows the term senioritis And yes. colleges uh you know really are cautioning students who are getting their letters of acceptances now if they've applied early action in the last semester or early decision uh and done all the proper things leading up to that point that we've discussed already uh they should be in, in good shape. If they if, if they haven't applied to an early decision school, uh, then they have till May 1st to decide where to go. Um, so those other decisions that they've maybe sent their applications in on January 1st or January 15th or even not even yet, let's say February 1st, there are some schools that have deadlines there. Um, this is the time to wait and evaluate and, uh, you know, share with your counselor uh, the acceptance letters and, the financial aid uh, forms have been filled out and so forth, all of which you're kind of uh, – you already have an early understanding of the bottom line cost if you're accepted, merit scholarship and so forth. So this – the classes that you're – you know even though the AP tests that you're going to be taking in May, you seniors, are not part of your uh, college transcript or your college application – um, they you know, need to work hard and get the best scores you can because some colleges may give you, uh, you know, waive certain freshman requirements. You know, the, the less competitive colleges may even offer you uh, full credit uh, towards your degree with scores of four or five, um, five preferably. But the IVs and uh, uh, schools of, the, of that type uh, do not offer college credit. But <clears throat> so work the best you can. Uh, but if you've done, as if you seniors have done all those things that we talked about, it'll be a lot less stressful in this uh, last half of senior year, and you can graduate, get some nice college offers, and have uh, an opportunity to maybe if you haven't visited school up to this point, uh, you'll be able to do that between April first and May first. Uh, April 1st is the deadline, that you know, self-designated uh, deadline that most colleges uh, adhere to in terms of sending out their letters of acceptances. And there are even in recent years, there have been some colleges in that most competitive category have s- sent out uh, little letters, little hints that you're you're at the top of the pile. You know, they won't officially accept you, but they'll you know give you a give you real strong hope that you might be in there. Um, and also I just worked with a couple of students th- this week, um, uh, who were invited for interviews. Um, uh, and some students do well in interviews. We've already talked to students about w- whether they should pursue an interview. Um, most schools don't require an interview, but, uh, sometimes they, um, uh, you know, they say you can have one and, uh, Brown University recently is in your neck of the woods. Uh, and uh, I had a student who was invited to an interview. And so we prepared her for that. Uh-huh. Uh, she wasn't sure. I asked her who it was going to be. It was going to be an alum. Um, so we talked about what kind of questions and talked about the open curriculum. Uh, so she understood what the open, cur- open curriculum was. Uh, so. <clears throat> and what to ask the, uh, the alum when she sat down with him. And it went very well. So we don't know about the outcome in terms of, and let me mention this, that how much importance an interview um, is, uh, depends on you know, a number of things. But in my experience, uh, I've had clients, parents, one was a alumni interviewer for Dartmouth, and, and, and the mom was an alumni interviewer for Cornell. The Dartmouth uh, client. Uh, he once interviewed someone wanting to get into, wanting to be a student at Dartmouth, and he wrote on his evaluation and sent it to the admissions office that this is, this man, this young man, does not fit. He is one of the worst candidates for Dartmouth I've <laughs> oh, ever seen. Oh my goodness! Now usually they're not. He's never been that harsh, but lo and behold, this young man was accepted to Dartmouth. Oh. <laughs> so you know, just. Put your best foot forward, you know, <laughs> the best you can. Be yourself. <laughs> you, never, you can't really tell whether it's going to make or break your application.
0: Right you know? now, and the interviews are exclusively private colleges, right, Eric?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard. And by the way, RACs, regional admissions counselors, don't exist on you know, in state schools for the most part, unless perhaps a school like uh, University of Virginia or, or College of William and Mary that are more competitive and they. They look for out-of-state students. Uh, uh, they might have somebody who's dealing with out-of-state students, but for the most part, just I private see. colleges.
0: You know, Eric, I don't know if you've ever heard this of any of your, your schools back in the or... and
1: It's their job, by the way, to uh, be familiar with all the high schools in your area, uh-huh. wherever you're in. Because um, I say the, the reason that in the AAA method – the reason that identify your RAC is the first thing is because that RAC is key uh, and that relationship that you develop um, could very well, you know, be a make or break thing and because he or she, that RAC is going to be the first one to read your application once it goes in because in January uh, when there's application, reading period begins usually in uh, November, uh, extending through January. Um, Those applications are all combined, teacher recommendations are put in, and everything's a lot of it's all through the internet. Uh, And they'll be divvied up according to the region, that that regional emissions counselor. So, the regional emissions counselor, if that college is on the west, on the east coast, 3,000 miles from the west coast, uh, they'll say, Oh, wow, this is, you know, (coughs) Jane. Jane Audrey is uh, applying. I remember her at the fair in April over at Anaheim. Uh Uh, She sent a nice little thank you note for the question she asked. Uh, So that's the kind of uh, gentle, professional, but not overdoing it. Just, uh, you know, we don't know whether always that it's going to wind up in somebody in a file or just in the wastebasket. But we just have to go on the presumption that, you know, it's a good idea. It's a good habit to get into thanking people for the time that they uh, set aside for you to even answer a
0: question. Sure, sure. You know, Eric, back yeah. to the uh, student interview. Um, mm-hmm. Of all the colleges that, that uh, my wife Lorraine and I have, have visited, only one time did we hear of a mandatory student interview, and that was at Pomona College right here, a very selective college, and they have a requirement that if a candidate, an applicant, lives within 200 miles of Pomona College... If they don't mm-hmm. if they don't opt for the student interview, they throw the application away. <laughs> they, they they have a, a requirement that if, if you live that close within two hundred miles, that you mm-hmm. better be interested enough in showing up for an interview. And if you're not that interested, then we don't want you. I, I have you ever heard of that from any, any other school? It's the only one I ever heard of. Uh,
1: no, I, I well I've heard about no, I haven't heard any specific school other than what you just said.
0: Yeah. Uh, on about I never forgot that. That was years ago, and I, it's the only one we've heard in all the years we've been planning. The only time I ever heard of a requirement uh, due to g- geographical distance. Now, if someone mm-hmm. lives in Massachusetts and they're applying to Pomona College here in Southern California, no requirement. But if they live in L.A. or Orange County or San Diego, they want them to show up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it reminds me. I had a student in Peterborough, New Hampshire. A very bright student, could have been accepted to Pomona if he was interested in it, but it wasn't one of the schools that fit his profile. Uh-huh. But one of the schools that did fit his profile that I recommended that he look at and consider was Amherst College, uh, and within sixty-four miles of his home. Uh, and I certainly, I I wanted him to. It was a late add-in, but I wanted him to go visit it. I wanted him to go see it. They didn't require. It wasn't Pomona's policy to require a, uh, an interview, uh, but because he didn't go see it, uh, he was rejected. He oh was my goodness! Everywhere else, huh? Uh, but again, you know. And another thing I could mention that when the juniors are getting ready to fill out their application, their question on many of the colleges will ask, "What other colleges are you applying to?" Uh, that is a very you know, interesting question, and it's a trick one. Uh, colleges won't say it is. The colleges will kind of say, well, just, you know, we just want to see who our competition is. You know, yeah, they do. But if you're a student that has, you know, top caliber achievements all the way across the board, and <clears throat> let's say you're applying to Case Western Reserve, which is a fine engineering school, business program, a lot of uh, accelerated undergraduate graduate program a lot of things to offer academically but students have looked at that school as kind of a safety um, right in the meantime they apply to MIT or even Rensselaer Polytech or Caltech um, so when Case Western asks what other colleges you're asking for you don't mention those other schools you mention you know you, you don't have to
0: right. but you just
1: don't put down colleges that you're not applying to you put down colleges that are comparable to Case Western that's what you
0: do. So, that's, so a I que- have st- that's a question that has to very strategically be answered, right? And a, a lot of students exactly. kind of freak right. out when they get to that question because they don't know what they should disclose, what they shouldn't. That's a very critical question on admission application, isn't it, Eric?
1: Yeah. And I'm glad with the financial aid form, the FAFSA form, you know, colleges sometimes would look at the uh, the way college, uh, parents, usually it's always the parents filling out that FAFSA <laughs> form, right. it should be, not that even though the phrasing the directions are as if the student is filling down
0: yeah
1: but they would look at the FAFSA they weren't sure how serious the student was about the school they look at the uh, they check with the financial aid office find out how the colleges were listed on the FAFSA the the order
0: of them yes
1: Harvard, Yale Princeton uh, you know so we have students you know you just put it alphabetically you know Yep. um, finishing with the state schools at the bottom you know uh, so, the, and that's, uh, so that's not being used. And I think, uh, uh, there's a rule now for colleges not to take the list of those, you know, I mean, high schools or colleges can't see how the FAFSA, the schools are listed on right, the FAFSA.
0: Right, the listing, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, know there's the, to be able to... You know, Erica, a, a little sidebar here, that, that, that question that, that students kind of freak out over... As far as listing the other schools are applying to, there's a similar yeah. question on the financial aid form, the CSS profile form that everyone freaks out on when it says, how much do you expect to pay for college? <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. that's always a tricky one, too, because parents say, well, now, if, if, so if I put like, you know, $20, is, is that all I've got to pay? <laughs> <laughs> but they they never know how to answer that one. It's kind of a strategic one too. We'll talk about that one on another another podcast. Yeah. But uh, there there's some That's trick questions on there. Yeah, it sure is. Stay tuned.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Eric, I want to thank you, Eric, for joining us tonight and for sharing your wisdom on on this really important topic of second semester planning. Uh, for any of our members who might have some other questions for you, Eric, how can they best contact you?
1: Well, they call us uh, directly. Yeah, our number nine seven eight. Eight two zero twelve ninety five. If we're uh, can't answer the phone, it's no one available. Just leave a good time for us to get back to you at your convenience, and we will. Of course, our blog uh, has our email smartcollegeplanning.org, dot org, and over on the right you'll see contact us, and you can ask your question uh, via email. Okay. Happy to have
0: it. Excellent, excellent. Well, I want to thank you, uh, College Success Forum members, for joining us and whether you're listening to us live this evening or the recording at some later date. And again, I encourage you to visit Eric's website, www.smartcollegeplanning.org. I promise you, you'll find lots of exceptional information there on planning for college success. So as always, we're here to help you as you plan for your children's college success, and you can contact us at support at college success formula. So until next time, take care. College planning success to all of you, and may God bless. Good night.
1: Good night, Tom.